Hey, hey, this is Ace in the Place podcast. I am your host, Ace, and today is Monday, December the 6th. We are 19 days away from Christmas. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the place. Thank you all for joining me on this Monday evening. I hope all is well with everyone. Are we ready for Christmas? Yes, no, maybe so. Me, absolutely not. I wish I could report something different. So what happened was this past weekend, we were supposed to put up our tree and get ready for the holidays. Now, there, me and my, my husband and I both totally forgot that we threw out the tree last year. So <laughs> we have to purchase another Christmas tree. But I think actually it ended up being a good thing because We decided to go ahead and get a live tree. We've been doing the fake trees for the past however many years. And I actually grew up on live Christmas trees. We always used to get a live tree growing up. So that's one of those childhood things for me that I really didn't pay too much attention to as an adult. But because this year we kind of like waited to the last minute and we just had some wires crossed that we decided to go ahead and get a live tree. So that'll be like a fun little memory for me to kind of make the holidays a little bit more special and I'm sure most of you have those memories or those special things that really makes you feel good when it comes to the holidays or things that you did as a child hopefully you know you have one or two of those good things that you did so yes we will be getting into the holiday spirit yeah I'm usually I try to be on top of it for Ari because she's definitely been asking about trees and Christmas for a while. So, but we did make Christmas cookies this weekend. That was really fun. We, um, Ari, she, she's very interested in the things that I'm interested in. And so she sees me in the kitchen all the time and, you know, she wants to cook. And so we bond with that. And, um, so I'm getting trying to get ready for Christmas for Ari this year because that's really who I do it for. I have a couple of other people that I will be getting gifts for, but nothing major. It will definitely be our family, you know, celebrating Christmas at home. And I hope that everyone is getting ready for Christmas. Okay, so... There are a couple of news stories that I want to go over today. I'm not sure I'll have enough time to go over all the news stories that I kind of wanted to speak on today, but I feel like I want to kind of get into a series of adolescent mental health or children's mental health, and there have been a couple of stories in the news over this past weekend and last week that I want to discuss. And I know I've talked a little bit about um, how important it is for us to really parent and get a hold. If we want to rebuild the black family structure, we need to start with our children. First, we need to start with ourselves. Let me just make that clear. I can't say that enough. You guys will hear me repeating myself a lot on this platform because I feel like some some of us are not getting it. And sometimes it takes people a little bit longer to process things than others. I had to learn that. And I really had to 
sit down and check myself about it. Like you can't expect people to be where you are. That's mentally, that's physically, that's emotionally. And so sometimes it does take people longer to get the message, to understand the process, to learn how important it is to heal and to forgive and to grow, right? And so you have to be patient. That's where patience comes in. And that's something that I've always struggled with. But becoming a wife and a mother has definitely strengthened my muscles and patience. Absolutely. One of the biggest takeaways I can take away from becoming a wife and a mother is patience because that's something that I've always kind of struggled with. But I have, I work that muscle daily, okay? (laughs) So it's getting better. It's getting stronger. But I can't say enough that we need to heal ourselves first. And then we need to work on our children. We need to work on breaking these generational curses and these negative cycles. And so that we can raise up a better generation of productive citizens of society. Because I'll be looking at this stuff in the news and I'll be like, this is crazy. So over the past weekend here in Chicago, it was lit. Period lit they had another flash mob downtown um, a gunshot wound 21 juveniles arrested two officers injured one bus driver attacked nine curfew citations it was a busy saturday night for chicago police in downtown area this makes no sense i can't stress enough where are the parents where are these children parents like i don't get it they're teenagers you got this they go and do what they want to do. Uh, I don't think so. You're still a parent. If they still live in your home, you're paying cell phone bills. Like, you need to have a check on your children. I honestly feel like parents should be monitoring social media accounts, period, because they said they put on so- social media to meet downtown. So all these teenagers and these juveniles on social media talking about, hey, let's go downtown. They flash mobbing, they're robbing the stores, taking all this merchandise. It's ridiculous. Where are the parents? So Chicago police arrested 21 juveniles downtown on Saturday night. After calls came in of of a large group, an additional nine juveniles were cited for curfew violations. So that means they were under, they weren't even supposed to be out that late. And they were there. Two officers were injured, including one who had a broken arm. Come on. This is crazy. Um, so they're saying that um, they went on social media and told people to come downtown. Again, parents, why are we not monitoring social media accounts? I mean, is there some type of way? We have all this technology. There has to be some type of way. If you're not friends with your child on social media, they don't need to have a social media account, period. If they're making fake pages, you know, I don't, it'll be kind of hard to monitor a fake page, but there has to be some type of way that parents can get a hold of these teenagers. I think a lot of times, and this is just my opinion, I think a lot of times these parents out here running the streets themselves. A lot of these parents nowadays, that's why we have grandparents in their 30s, in their early 40s, because nowadays people are having children at a younger age, right? So babies are having babies. This is what the cycle 
is unfortunately like in some households in the black community. Babies are having babies. So now once they grow up with their kids, the kids are teenagers, and now the parents think it's party time. It's me time. I get to live my life because you're still young, right? You in your 30s, right? And your children are older. You think you're giving them more, you know, responsibility because you think they're older and they're able to handle it. They're not. And your parenting skills are showing up and they're showing out because these kids are out here acting a fool. Where are the parents? Period. Who is to be accountable for situations like this? Um, I just, you know, a bus driver getting attacked. These are people at work. I get angry by that because, you know, I, I've been at work and heard gunshots. I've been at work and, you know, seeing dangerous situations unfold. Like, it can happen to me. I can just be at work trying to provide for my family and get harmed and get hurt or, you know, anything. You know, people are out here trying to make an honest living and they're having to come into contact with this type of trauma, with this type of violence. For what? For what? They're doing these flash mobs. They're they're robbing the stores. I forgot what they call that when they go into the uh, flash and grab or something and grab where they go into the stores and it's just like a big group. And they've been getting away with thousands of dollars of stolen merchandise. You know, now everybody on social media with all this designer stuff, I'm sick of it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. These, this materialistic stuff, it means nothing, people. When are we going to understand this materialistic stuff does not mean anything? Your children are out here with the newest Jordans. The nicest hair, because now these these teenagers got bundles and lashes and makeup and all these things in high school, right? Looking like grown women in high school. Wigs be laid better than men. I don't even wear wigs, you know, but whatever. Wigs be laid, period. They can do makeup better than me, and I'm in my 30s, okay? But everything has changed. The culture just feels so... I'm trying to choose my words wisely here. So I'm 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 going to skip past that sentence because I don't want to say anything too negative, but I'm 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 frustrated with this and I feel like these parents need to be held accountable. Every teen that was arrested, they need to find out who their parents are. Arrest them too. And yes, I will be getting to that story as well uh, with the teenage shooter. I will be going over to that story as well, but there needs to be some accountability. Your teenager is out here running the streets, killing people, robbing people, attacking people. You need to be held accountable because somebody failed that child. Somebody failed that child. Who? Mom, dad, grandma, everybody. Everyone. Again, your children look good. They got on the newest coat. They got on all these designers. They got all the likes on Facebook. They got all the followers on Facebook, right? And then they go out and they do stuff like this. Come on, people. And then as soon as they get shot down by the police, 
oh, they were such a good kid. Again, I'm not giving the police no ammunition to kill nobody, period. I'm not justifying that mess in no way, shape, or form. Let me clear that up right now. But what I'm saying is everybody's so quick to run to the news to talk about how good of a child they had when where are the parents and are people accountable for this mess that's going on, period. Who is to be held accountable? Because there's some foolishness right here. I don't even understand. What is the purpose of this? So, um, there was a shooting in a Michigan school on November the 30th. Now, I'm going to read a little bit from this article. And it's that now this teenager's parents did get arrested. And there needs to be more situations like this. Because if you're holding the parents accountable, Maybe they might start changing. You put them in a jail cell for something that their child did. Maybe they might think twice. Because, again, I have um, one of my Facebook friends. He works for CTA. We actually went to grammar school together. And he's been working for CTA for years. He's probably got just as much time with CTA, which is the city, as I have with streets and sanitation. And he put on Facebook, like, look, I'm strapped. It's concealed carry out here, people. You don't know. Your kid running up on somebody, it don't even got to be the police to shoot them. It could be a regular citizen with a concealed carry, right? What if they had to ran up and attack somebody with a gun? Then what? Then you all on the news, my baby, my baby. Come on, y'all. For real, cut the BS. I'm over it. I'm over it. We need to do better. We need to do better for ourselves. Because we are the only one who can fix this. It's not for politicians. It's not for white people. It's not for any other race to fix but us. And if we want to fix it, we have to start with ourselves. And then we have to correct our children. But y'all want to correct. See, the problem is y'all want to tell y'all kids what to do, and you aren't actually doing it. They don't see it from you. They don't see the example from you. They see the toxic behavior from you. They see the negative environment for you. A lot of these kids aren't at home because the house is not a peaceful place. A lot of these kids run in the streets because they they don't want to be at home. Mom and dad are always arguing. Mom always got a, a different nigga running up and through the crib. Daddy selling drugs. Daddy got all type of dudes running up and through the crib. It's not a safe environment. Most of these kids are in the street because they don't have peace at home. They don't have a loving environment to come to because mama want to run the streets now because she feel like it's her time. See, my theory is the older the child gets, the more parental supervision they need. It doesn't mean you need to control your child and don't give them the space to be themselves. It means that you need to know who their friends are. You need to know where they're going. You need to monitor their social media accounts. Yes, yes. And if their grades aren't good and they're not doing the right things, no, you can't have the new Jordans that come out. No, you're not allowed to make fun and bully other children who don't have the things that you have. That's not okay. Come on, man. Y'all raising up trash kids that look good. I'm going to just keep it 100. Y'all raising up trash kids that look good. Because they look good. I mean, on social media, like, oh, my goodness, she's beautiful. Is she 16 or 26? But then what? She opened up her mouth, and all you hear is curse word this, disrespectful that. It doesn't make any sense. 
So alleged Michigan school shooter convinced officials violent drawings were harmful, were harmless pursuits. Okay. So the accused Michigan high school shooter convinced school officials ahead of the deadly rampage that violent drawings he made for a video he made for a video game, a later release Saturday by the school show. On on the morning of November 30th, a teacher observed concerning drawings and written statements that have been detailed in media reports, which the teacher reported to school counselors and the dean of students. The student was immediately removed from the classroom and brought to the guidance counselor's office where he claimed the drawings was a part of a video game he was designing and informed counselor that he planned to pursue video game design as a career. A later sent, excuse me, a letter sent to the Oxford High School community from Oxford Community School Superintendent. Okay. Accused shooter Ethan Crumbly, 15, and his parents met with school officials just hours before he allegedly opened fire on peers and school employees, killing four students and injuring seven other people. At no time did counselors believe the student might harm others based on his behavior, responses, and demeanor, which appeared calm. In addition, despite media reports, whether or not the gun was in his backpack has not been confirmed by law enforcement to our knowledge, nor by our investigation at this time. I read something else, but I'm going to keep going with this. The letter added that Crumbly's parents were told to take their son home that day, but they flatly refused and left without their son apparently returning to work. The school also reportedly told the parents they had 48 hours to find counseling for their son or the school would contact Child Protective Services. School officials were also allegedly not made aware of the family's recent gun purchase, which was reportedly used in the shooting and Crumbly was returned to class. While we understand this decision has caused anger, confusion, and promptly, understandably questioning, and the counselor made a judgment based on their professional training and clinical experience and did not have all the facts we know. Our counselors are deeply committed, long-standing school members who have dedicated their lives to supporting students and addressing student mental health behaviors. So... Yeah, so it, the article just pretty much concludes with his family is now the charges he's facing. One count of terrorism causing death, four counts of first-degree murder, seven counts of assault with intent to murder, and 12 counts of possession of a firearm and commission of a felony. He pleaded not guilty and is being held without bond. His parents, James and Jennifer, were also charged with four counts of involuntary manslaughter each. They were apprehended on Sunday, Saturday morning after an extensive manhunt, which they didn't show up for their arraignment on Friday. Each count is punishable for up to 15 years in prison or a 7,500 fine. They both pleaded not guilty. So in this situation, they are saying... The boy made some troubled drawings in school. The counselor then had a conversation with the boy and his parents. On the day of the shooting, 
you ask the parent why did you ask the parents see i'm a little i'm confused and this article feels like it's contradicting itself because at first they said that there was no cause for concern based off his demeanor his responses and his behavior so if there was no cause for concern why would you ask the parents to take him home that day yeah no something's not adding up and then not only did you ask for them to take him home the school also reportedly told parents they had 48 hours to find a counselor for the son or they would be reported to child protective services now i'm not a counselor so i don't know what protocol is but if i was a counselor and this this situation came about my desk before I talk to the the child who drew the picture, I probably would try to do a little bit of investigating on my own. And again, I'm not a counselor, so I don't know legally what can and cannot be done. What I mean by investigating is I probably would have asked teachers, staff, and students their interactions with this child before I made the child aware that we were concerned about his behavior. You see what I mean? It's almost like just investigating, right? Before you let the person know, hey, I'm on to you, you do a little bit of research on your own so that you can get down to the bottom of it. And then when they try to give you their story, you can kind of contrast that with what you are, the information you already have. But because she didn't have any information and she went right to the, the child, the child said, hey, look, no, I'm a, you know, I'm doing video games, which could very well make sense. But then you turn around and shoot all these people. And again, it is it, they definitely leaving out parts in the story. You can tell they are not giving us all the information because now they're saying that there is no evidence or they're not confirming whether or not the gun was in the child's backpack. But if the child went back to class and his parents left, where did they get the gun? Either the parents brought the gun in the school with them, which, I mean, you usually have to go through metal detectors, or the child already had the gun. And legally, the school can search the child's backpack. So if you were concerned and you told these parents, hey, look, I think maybe, you know, what's his name? Evan? Ethan. I think maybe Ethan uh, should go home today. Right. It's, you know, this is just a lot going on and maybe she should just take a few days to be off. And the parents refuse. No, we got to go to work. OK. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of missing pieces to this puzzle. And it's very unfortunate because, you know, in situations like this, we want to blame someone. And it feels bad because it's likely the counselors and the school officials are the one that's going to get a blunt of the blame but I'm glad that because it's not really their fault you can't say you know if you do drop the ball with something professionally you would hope that it wouldn't lead to someone losing their lives you know what I mean like we all have bad days we all miss things we all are capable of making a mistake but we don't want those mistakes in our professional careers to mean someone dies you know that's pretty tough. And if they do, how do you then handle that guilt? How do you handle, like, if I had done this differently, 
the outcome would have been different. So, you know, I'm praying for those who have lost their loved ones in this tragic situation. It does kind of feel like this could have been avoided. But again, when we talk about adolescent mental health, how do these parents not know that their their child is that troubled? Now, this article didn't mention anything about the child being bullied. Of course, that was one of the first defenses that they had when this came out about the shooting. Oh, he was bullied. He was bullied. He was bullied. That's why I said as a counselor, maybe she should have done a little bit, he or she should have done a little bit of research and talked to students, teachers, staff. How is this child? How do they interact with other kids? Are they being bullied? What have you seen? What do you notice? Because, of course, the kid can just lie. The parents could even lie. Is the parent really going to admit, hey, look, yeah, we did a trash job raising him. Really don't know. I think this kid might blow our heads off if we make him mad. Who is going to admit that, people? No one. So I think that, you know, several people failed this this young child, this young teenager. And, and that is a bottom line. We are failing a generation of, of children, and we just have to do better. We have to do better. I think that these parents do need to be held accountable, even in situations like the flash mob here in Chicago. Lock these parents up because nobody's doing their job. Everybody's just out doing what they want to do, living their best life, traveling, going out of town, doing all this other stuff instead of taking care of their children instead of their taking care of their responsibilities, instead of making sacrifices and changes within themselves in order to be better humans and a better example for their children. So I just hope that we can do better. Now, before I get ready and get out of here, there, one last story I want to try to get to. Now, Mr. Joel Osteen is in the news. I really did not want to do this, y'all. I didn't, I didn't want to speak on Joel Osteen. But, you know, I, I, I have talked about, you know, my spirituality and just being a woman of God. So I feel like I got to put this out there. And I feel like, obviously, this is not the first time Joel Osteen has been in the news. A few years ago, they had a really big, bad, like, flood or hurricane in Texas. And uh, everything was, like, flooded out. And the church locked its doors. It wouldn't allow any of the people to find shelter in the church I thought that was kind of weird you know it didn't get much news coverage people talked about it but it just you know you know we talk about stuff for a couple of days and then we just go on to something else right it's all a distraction but um you know so I'm kind of was like all right now this guy's back in the news again again that situation with me a few years ago didn't really sit well I was like okay why not let people have shelter in your church like it's a, you know, a, a natural disaster. You can't control something like a hurricane, something like that. People are being displaced from their homes, right? And you just leave them out there to just fend for themselves, and you have a whole big, you know, church that can obviously shelter some of these people who need assistance. So I, I, I really thought that was kind of weird. But what happened was a Texas plumber who found cash in a Lakewood wall is upset that Joel Osteen he hasn't heard anything from him. So what happened was the janitor 
found a stash of cash in the wall. He was doing some renovations to uh, the, the plumbing for the bathroom, and they were taking the towel out. He found uh, a bunch of checks and envelopes, um, 500 envelopes to be exact. Houston police said the money is in connection to a 2004 robbery at the church where $200,000 in cash and $400,000 in checks were stolen from a church safe. Now, let me just say this before I kind of continue. That $600,000 was from two days worth of service. Two days. Are you kidding me? That's a lot of money, people, for two days worth of service, $600,000. I mean, okay, but we're not going to go there. Okay, so there was a loose toilet in the wall, and we removed the towel, the plumber said. We went to go remove the toilet, and I moved some of the insulation away, and about 500 envelopes uh, fell out of the wall. Now, the plumber is upset because he's saying that he hasn't heard anything from uh, Joel Osteen, meaning, you know, he hasn't reached out to him. He hasn't acknowledged the situation. The guy might be looking for an explanation. I'm going to read in between the lines and say that he was probably looking for some type of acknowledgement, validation, or reward. I just gave y'all back $600,000. I mean, $600,000, you can lead a country with that. I'm just saying. He could have very well kept the money, patched up the toilet like nothing happened, and got up out that jam. But he didn't. It seemed like he was trying to do the right thing. And based off this article, he's a little frustrated at the fact that uh, Mr. Olstein has not acknowledged that. And um, I can kind of see why. I would, you know, you, you do the right thing and you don't get any acknowledgement. You don't get any type of reward or nothing, explanation. He doesn't know what happened. And I mean, legally, he might not be able to say anything or he could because the guy found the money. So legally, he probably could tell him what happened or what's going on. But he doesn't want to. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, I didn't I didn't too much like that story. And that's a lot of you know, that's one of the reasons I've never really been a fan of these mega churches. Um when I usually do visit church or I become a member of a church, it's more on a small spectrum. I think I like it to be a little bit more intimate. I think with these mega churches, you kind of become a number to me instead of more of an intimate connection. Again, if it was a smaller church, you might have been able to have a conversation with the pastor and, you you know, hit his line, like, hey, what's going on? He may or may not told you, but at least you had that way to connect with him. Like Joel Osteen, he's like a celebrity pastor. You know, he gets all these endorsements from all these celebrities. And so I'm just tripping off $600,000 in offerings for two days worth of service. That's over half a million. Excuse me, I'm sorry. That's over, that's almost half a million. I mean, it's a little over half of a million. Sorry, I had it right the first time. So, yeah, Mr. Osteen definitely sounds like it's some fugazi stuff going on there. Just going to be honest. But we will continue to, because I saw quite a few little funny articles. I'm not going to jab on them the way they did they've been doing them the last couple of days but I did want to speak on it because I thought that that was yeah his name just keeps coming up and stuff that just doesn't feel right so 
Come on, Mr. Osteen. Get it together, my man. Get it together. So I am getting ready to head out for this week. I hope everyone has a pretty good week. I love you guys, and I will see you here again next week. Peace.